Today's scripture reading is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the third chapter, the first verse to the 11th verse. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those manipulators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who but not in confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard of the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, prosecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. We are continuing with our systematic study of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. The last time we looked at the 19th and the 30th verses of the, uh, of, of the second chapter, 19th to, to the 30th verses of the second chapter. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. This is Paul writing, and as the message version reads, I plan, according to Jesus' plan, to send Timothy to you very soon so he can bring back all the news of you he can gather. Again, this is just a recap. As Paul was reminding the Philippians that all of his hopes uh, and aspirations were subject to the lordship of Christ. He wasn't just planning life, just randomly doing his own thing. It's, I, uh, I'm, these are my plans according to Jesus's plan. Um, that, that's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. And I encourage you to listen to that podcast if you haven't had a chance already, if you missed it last week, to really uh, dive a little bit deeper in terms of what it means to subject yourselves to the Lordship of Christ, to, to really allow him to be your guide, not just, oh, okay, well, I'll assent to him uh, on Sundays or some random day or random act, but no, my life, my whole plan, my whole trajectory, my whole arc, it's predicated on his plan. So based on his willingness to submit to the lordship of Christ, then Paul writes, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Again, as we shared, Paul's not just, he's not just, he's not acting selfishly at all. 
See, he's choosing what I was sharing before, that best option. See, it'd be one thing to say, well, let me just go ahead and send Timothy. He's a good guy. He's, he's, he's got all the credentials. He's the best option uh, in terms of what it would look like for the Philippians. But I have to look at this in, the, in a bigger picture, in the entire uh, arc of ministry to the body of Christ. Uh, he said, uh, I'm, Timothy's important, but I need him. Uh, I'm hopeful that I'll be released. I'm hopeful that both Timothy and I will get back, but Timothy serves me in such a way right now, I can't afford to lose him. And I share again, as I shared before, is that there are certain jobs, certain tasks that you've been given that you and only you are assigned to do. You and only you are assigned to do. That person you were supposed to speak to in the checkout line, on the job, in school, uh, those, those what you would otherwise uh, consider random encounters, random acts, uh, those are encounters that are, that are opportunities that are ordained of God for you to come and, and share the love of Christ. But Paul still wants to minister to the church, so he doesn't say, well, you know, I'd like to send Timothy, can't, uh, today's not your day. No, he says, no, I have a solution. And actually, this is not plan B, this is plan A, so let me share it with you. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who was also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor and honor people like him, Because he almost died for the work of Christ, he risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. The church is worried about their son in ministry, Epaphroditus. Sent him to go minister to Paul. Somewhere along the line, he got sick, he got ill, he almost died, literally. As we shared uh, uh, how Christians were known by the third century, uh, the word they were used, they, they were called, that's the word that's translated risk, is gambled. And so the Christians were called the, the gamblers. Why were they called the gamblers? Because they risked everything for the cause of Christ. Everything. Everything was all in. I'm, I'm all in. I'm not just hedging my bets. I'm not just, I'll do this, but no more. Well, I, I, you know, I'm all in. So Epaphroditus risked everything. God blessed him. And now Paul says, he gambled his life. I can't think of a better ambassador to send back to you. You'll see that he's okay. He'll be a, fan, a phenomenal witness. And as a matter of fact, uh, I have no, nobody uh, like him, like Epaphroditus. A brother, worker, co-worker, and a soldier in ministry. A brother, a co-worker, a soldier in ministry. This guy is down for the cause of Christ. This guy is, he's, he's, he's plan A. He's the one uh, that needs to be sent to you to let you know what's going on, the gamblers. So we begin today at the uh, third chapter. Uh, we're almost, we're more than halfway done in this, in this letter. Um, really hop on board. So we begin today, the third chapter, first verse, where we read, Further. 
my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. So Paul, you know, I've, I've given you instruction. This is no problem for me to repeat the instruction that I've given you. Uh, okay, we've pivoted now from, uh, we had that parenthetical about uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now I'm getting ready to bring this whole letter, the point of this letter, to a close. And so he writes, watch out for those dogs. Wow, boy, that's quite a transition. Uh, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. It doesn't show here, and it doesn't show in most translations, but what Paul is doing, he uses the same uh, present, imperative, active word that's translated watch out. He uses that three times in front of each of the, these nouns. So essentially he's saying, watch out for those dogs. Watch out for those evildoers. Watch out for those mutilators of the flesh. What in the world is he talking about it? Well, if you read the 15th chapter of the book of Acts, and I suggest you do, 15th chapter of the book of Acts, there was Judaizers, if you will. People that had, had, had converted, seemingly, from, from, uh, from uh, Judaism to Christianity. But you know, it's kind of like old habits are hard to break. So what I'm going to do, if you want to be a Christian, you're going to have to be circumcised, if you're a male, to, 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 in order to fulfill the fullness of what it means to be Christian. We'd call them Gnostics. We'd call them people that, and you know them, they, they, you might even, they might even be in your family. Uh, they wouldn't be you, of course. You know, they're, 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 they're those that look at our relationship with Christ and said, you know, this, this coming to Christ just as you are, confessing him, believing with your heart, that's, that's not quite enough. You need to do something a little bit more in order to be fully grafted, fully brought into the body of Christ. And so as you read the 15th chapter of Acts, I, I just love how the early church wrestled with that. People that will tell you what you need to do in order to have a relationship with Christ. It's amazing that somehow, somewhere along the line, before Christ, we really forgot who we were. I know, you guys never did anything, so, so it's like it was just a seamless transition. So, so, so before Christ, uh, there was a certain set of thinking and behaviors and acts, and so now it's like we've, we've in theory, been brought into the light, and so now we want to superimpose uh, our, our sanctification uh, that has transpired in our life and run that back to others and say, okay, from right now, you need to be where I'm at. Well, first of all, you're not all that. First of all, you're not all that. And don't you remember yesterday? Now, yesterday could have been 24 hours. It may have been a month, may have been a year, but there was a yesterday. Somewhere along the line in your life, there was a yesterday. There was a you used to. 
I know, I know, no, no, some people were just born saved. I know, I know. No, actually, you weren't. But that's what a lot of us like to think. It's like, well, well, I, you know, you, you, you can't do this, you can't do that. But what did you do? And, with, and, 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 and wasn't God kind and patient and loving and, and forgiving with you to get you to where you're at? Judaizers. Judaizers. No, no, you can't just come to, you can't keep creeping up on Christ like that. You got to get circumcised. Circumcised? What? What's that got to do with my relationship with God? Well, you know, back in the Old Testament, you know, back, that's, that's, that eighth day, all of that. That's what had, that's what had to happen. See, 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 again, when you read the Bible woodenly, when you just say, well, it says this, well, it says that, too. What does it say? Circumcise your hearts, therefore. Circumcise your hearts? What do you, what do you Circumcise your hearts. See, the behaviors of the Old Testament that God was, was instructing the nation, was, it was an fancy word, archetype. It was a window for the people to look through. It's like, this is how I want you to model this. And since we are, we learn just like kids and as adults, you know, it's like, show me what you're talking about. Okay, I'll show you. Yeah, don't eat this food. Don't do these things. Why? Because you'll be saved by that? No, I'm pointing you to a bigger picture. I'm trying to point you to a different direction. So it's like, well, circumcise yourself on the eighth day if you're a male. But, but really what I'm trying to say is circumcise your heart. Circumcise yourselves, Jeremiah 4, 4, A and B. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all who are circumcised only in the flesh. So you can't look at, at, at circumcision or any other religious behavior as some kind of prophylactic that will protect you from, some, from religious disease. That's not what it's for. All of this points to relationship. Oh, oh, I, if, if, I, if, I, you know, if I put in three spiritual quarters in the, in, the, in the slot machine of God, pull the handle, he's going to dump me out of blessing. No, he won't. That's not how God works. He's not a slot machine. He's not a genie. He's not a magic lamp. He's not a bellhop. He's, 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 he's God. See, and, it, and we have to approach him as God. What is he pleased with? Those that worship him, that worship him in spirit and in truth. He already said, I don't want your oil. I don't want your sacrifices. You, you, you cheap out on me anyway. You give me broken leg sacrifices, blind sheep. I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. This is biblical. You give me blind, imperfect sacrifices, trying to pretend like, again, this goes back to, are we all in or not? Well, I guess, Lord, you know, you know, I, you know, I'm holding back a little bit, but I'll give you this. Keep it, is what God is saying. I don't want that. Because our behavior has to be a, a reflection, a reaction to the relationship that we have. All the singing, all the money, all the preaching, all the time, all the devotion. It means nothing if the heart ain't right. So you can just, yes, I'm, I'm not suggesting you do it because we could keep the lights on, but, but you keep your money. I appreciate I had a conversation with, with one of our members uh, not too long ago. Uh, it's like, you know, you know me to the consternation of some, I'm sure. It's like, we don't, it's like, don't, don't, you don't need to hard sell giving and all that. So, because if God has your heart, if he circumcised your heart, he's, he's sure enough circumcised your wallet. He got that. He's got your time. 
He's got your devotion. He's got your attention. He's got your prayer life. He's got everything. But where are you relationally with him? Huh. Paul goes on to write, if you want to box in a few religious rounds, if you want to go toe-to-toe with me, uh, because I know, that's why I'm so thankful to God that uh, I, I have the history I have, because uh, having been a PK, for better or for worse, mother, uh, been a PK, grown up in the church, it's all I've known, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. It's like there's pretty much not too much folks can, can either, either say or or try is like, well, no, this, that. It's like, look, I've been there, done that. I've got T-shirts, racks of T-shirts to show the history of religiosity. I got, I, I got all of that. And that's what Paul goes on to, uh, to say. If, if you want to go there, let's go there. Though I, have, I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I, I, just, I, I can just see Paul just like, okay, for all you guys that think that I is, let's go there. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. What is he saying? My mom and my daddy gave me a Jewish platinum card. That's exactly... He, they gave me whatever, the, the, I guess it's the Visa black card that you could literally buy a helicopter with. And that's, and that's exactly what Paul is saying. I got one of them when it comes to religion. I'm there. I was born a Jew by Jews. I was a, the tribe, Benjamin, that's the, one of the only two tribes that stayed faithful to the throne of David. And it also produced the first king. Circumcised on the eighth day, that's what you're supposed to do. Pharisee, I'm the keeper and the interpreter of the law. I tell you the rules. I, I live by the rules. I, I, look, I'm, I, I, I've got graduate degree in religion. I've got a PhD in religion. I, I, so, so, so I'm just using that as a backdrop. Paul speaking, not me. Uh, I'm just using that as a backdrop. So what does he say? Oh, based on all of this, I was faultless. Now, just think for a minute, if we had that pedigree, if Mark had that pedigree, I might kind of like, yeah, I'm all that. I, 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 I'm, I'm, yeah, I got this. I'm pretty good. I, 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 I feel pretty good about myself. And then so then I can actually go there and be dogmatic and demand that you say, hey, I did this. You can do it. I was religious. You be religious too. But Paul knew the, 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 the pointlessness of that argument and, and, uh, and those acts. That's why he goes on uh, to write, in the, starting in the seventh verse, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So what is Paul saying? Uh, I, I can go there with any of you at any time in terms of my relationship with God, 
in terms of my religious relationship with God. The word he actually use, uses for, for uh, garbage is even stronger than that. King James rightly interprets it as dung, excrement. All of the things that we would otherwise put value on, Paul said, it's nothing. It's nothing. Because the whole point is purpose is, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not like he's like, I hope to get there, but I'm just not clear how it happens, I just know what happens. So as the message version, as the message version reads, I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was a way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. This goes right back to what we were sharing the last time, being all in. Being all in with him. See, Paul considered everything in his life prior to meeting Christ on the road to, to Damascus to be garbage. All of that, all of the religious stuff, all of the things that, that we tend to put high value on. Oh man, I'm a deacon, I'm a preacher, I'm a, I, I'm a soloist, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a, and it's garbage. If it's detached from wanting to know him. I, again, it just, it just keeps me humble. I mean, not that I can sing anyway. I sound pretty good in the shower. I'm, I think I sound pretty good in the shower. Don't I, honey? No? Uh, uh, but, but the fact that God has angels that sing on point, on, I just, there's, there's no flaw in their singing, um, but they can't sing, I've been redeemed. See, they can't, see, that's, that's, that's the, the value of my off-key singing when I praise him. It's, it's like, oh, I, I know what I'm talking about. I can sing about being redeemed. See, Paul understands that his righteousness was not in who he was or even what he did, his righteousness is in Christ. It's not in who he was or what he did. His righteousness is in Christ. That's why he seems to be agonizing and writes of wanting to know firsthand the, the life, the suffering, the death, the resurrection, and the power of Christ. I'm closing on this wonderful Father's Day. Um, I got a question, though. Think about someone you love, not like. Not like. I mean, we like a lot of things, and we, we say we love, uh, but we just don't have a better use of the word. Uh, think about someone or something you love. Think, think about it. Get that, get that in your mind. Get that in your mind. No, not cherry pie. No, uh-uh. No. How do you behave when it comes, assuming it's a person, how do you behave when it comes to that person? Someone you love. How do you behave with that person? How do you behave? With, with a mom, and I, I've had the wonderful opportunity to see my own kids grow up and how they dote and, and coo and, and love on their kids and they play with their ear and they just, ooh, coochie coochie, coochie coochie, back, back, back. And, and, you, and you do all of that stuff, you know. It's, it's not Mother's Day. It's, I know. It's just a, <laughs> You put the baby in your lap, you nurture, you care, you play, you just, you interact. As an adult, what do you do with someone you love? You engage. 
You ask about the person. You talk with the person. You commune with the person. If you love the person, if, if, if it's just like, or if it's a one-way, what can I get out of the relationship, that's something different. But see, you will even defer to that person. I just, and again, it's, it's, trust me, there's absolutely no point in pinning stars on me. Uh, wife was asked, it's Father's Day, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Well, it's Father's Day. I don't know. Where do you want to go? I want to go where you want to go. That's what you do when you're in love. Not because it's like, oh, I want her to think that. It's just like, no, that's just, I don't know. I want to go where you want to go. Christ, what do you want me to do? I want to do what you want me to do. I want to go where you want me to go. I want the job you want me to have. I want the college degree you want me to have. I, you want me to be a missionary in a foreign land? Uh, I'll be a missionary in a foreign land. So, are you willing to die? See, that's what Paul, Paul was saying. Uh, I want to partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. See, see, it, 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 it's, it's ironic that the timing of what happened in Charleston coincides with even this, this lesson here. Um, it ought to cause every one of us to think, to reflect on uh, what would we have done? What would we have done in that situation? How would we have behaved? Uh, you want to stop the person. It's, you know, you absolutely want to stop the person. But, 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 well, I'm not, you know, if it's a little sketchy, you know, I'm not going to go. Well, th there's a lot of sketchy places Christ calls us to go. So. Now, they didn't, expect, they didn't expect that to happen. They could not have expected that to happen. But <laughs> the, the story of the one gentleman who said, don't shoot my aunt, shoot me. Sadly, he shot both. But that is like, no, not hurt me. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take it. I'll take, our, see, we have, we have a tough time going for that last bite of chicken or popcorn or something. It's just like, and to the, the whole idea of the going that to that extreme to death becomes, all, that is a bridge too far. It's like, pastor, you just, you're just talking about something that just does not even resonate, you know? because that's not even been part of our calculus. What is God calling you to do? Are we willing to go with him all the way to death itself? Or are we joined with Christ in death? I'm closing. As, as, as I said before, I say again, as a Christian, well, how do I know if I'm there? Here's one metric, here's one measure. There ought to be a reckless willingness for you to do anything for Christ. If the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and he says, you know what, you know, uh, you shouldn't major in that major. You shouldn't buy that house right now because I'm getting ready to move you over here. Don't push past that voice. Don't, 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 it's a, you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, and then you're all in. Am I willing to give up all the creature comforts of life, if necessary, and even give up my life itself for him? There are certain people that, uh, that I, I know firsthand 
chose vocational pursuits that they could otherwise, the, the six figures in, in, in Fortune 500 companies. It's like, no, I was doing that, and God called me out of that to do this. You know, the world would say, you're silly. You could do both. You can continue to make that and do that, and you can send money and do that. It's just like, no, it's not what the Holy Spirit asked me to do. He asked me to do. So, so again, the question is, what are we willing to set aside for Christ? Are we willing to die for him? Are we willing to die for him? That's the point and purpose of every Christian's life. Laying down your life, if necessary physically, absolutely spiritually. See, Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, Christ asks everyone, pick up your cross, follow me, and die. That's what, that's, that's what Christ asks us all to do. Pick up your cross, follow me, and die. Let's pray.